everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi everyone, Larissa Russell from Creative You, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Don Mulford. Don has recently published a book about his unexpected total cure from terminal cancer, which his oncologist at the Stanford Cancer Clinic called a miracle. It's entitled Matchbooks in the Tunnel, How God and Others Solved My Impossible Problem. He is a minister, chaplain, and attorney whose 11-year successful search for healing has led to working with people on their spiritual paths. So welcome, Don. Thank you. Nice to be here, Larissa. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm quite excited to talk to you about this, actually. So can you share some of your story and your path that brought you here? Sure. Um, I started my career as an attorney, and then, uh, as I say, found the suit did not fit. So I went back and started all over again, aiming toward ministry and that included graduate school and all. And finally, I got a position as the senior pastor in a small church and was delighted to be there. And 15 months later, in 1999, I was diagnosed surprisingly and suddenly with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a terminal form of cancer. It was stage four, the worst stage. Uh, and uh, from then on, I was in this um, deep, hard search to try to beat the thing. I was told more than once by more than one physician that uh, my demise was certain that I had about 11 or 12 years to live from that point. Uh, and I went to Stanford, uh, which fortunately was nearby, where they had the largest lymphoma center in the world. And my oncologist turned out to be uh, one of the top lymphoma specialists in the world. So I had the very best medical care. Um, and as a friend of mine, he was a physician, told me, uh, do everything the doctors tell you to do, but then also do anything you want uh, pursuant to your faith. And so uh, I um, quickly uh, decided that I just wasn't going to do chemotherapy and go along with the medical program and hope for the best, I also would pursue other avenues. And it's as it so happened, a very well-known uh, international healer um, who's Christian-based was uh, coming to my uh, neighborhood, uh, as it was down in Oakland, across from San Francisco, uh, within a couple of months of my diagnosis. So I went to that uh, conference, which I would never would have gone to otherwise. And I saw some amazing things happen, which uh, were real. Uh, it wasn't set up or 
are, are faked. And um, I realized that there's another avenue here. And so at that point, my creative effort to defeat my cancer was to pursue healing uh, supernaturally through uh, the spirit of God somehow moving. And so I went to places and to people who were known for this and learned and saw all kinds of things. And that eventually is what led to my healing. Wow. Wow. So then what does healing with creativity mean to you? Well, it means that uh, there's always hope. Uh, I think what I got out of all of this as one of my big lessons was that uh, hope is an, an incredible force to overcome any obstacle. Uh, depression, um, defeatism uh, go a long way toward hurting us and denying us uh, opportunities that are otherwise available to us in spite of how difficult situations are. Um, and hope is the antithesis of that. Uh, my mother said when she was living through the depression that uh, the depression wasn't just an economic problem, it was a psychological problem. People weren't just financially depressed, they were um, financially, uh, they were psychologically depressed. And uh, everyone was was uh, in a bad mood, <laughs> and so uh, what they needed was hope. And if you read the story Sea Biscuit, which is a wonderful book about this overcoming undersized horse, um, he ran during the depression, and he sort of carried the hopes of millions on his back because he overcame because he could he would win when he wasn't supposed to win, and that's what hope is. And so. Um, uh, that uh, was something I learned that, that uh, proved uh, very useful and helpful for me along with other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you bring up the depression. Uh, I find the pandemic has been very much that same way, right? And the psychological depression that has gone, we've seen more abuse, we've seen more suicides. Um, a lot of uh, women that I work with have come to me um, through this because it's just too much, right? So yeah, that's that's really interesting. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. So I know that you talked about this miracle that happened. So when I ask you if, if there's a driving force that inspires you, would that be it? Or can you expand on that? Sure. Yeah, really, it, it, you know, was sort of something that was part of my nature throughout my life. Um, when I was growing up, my mother had this abiding, very quiet, but very pronounced faith in God and God's love for us and God's presence. And I really just picked that up by osmosis. And so uh, I went to this little church program when I was six years old and it talked about <clears throat> God loves us and it talked about you know, God became a person, Jesus, and Jesus loves us, and we can have this relationship with God. And that was the extent of it. Um, and so that made sense to me. And just at that age, I bought into that. And that has sustained me throughout my life. And I was so grateful that I found it at such a young age. And it um, abided with me um, 
through the many changes of our culture and society, through the craziness of the 60s, through the Jesus movement, and you know these days with um, the political football that Christianity is and all that, this little simple relationship I had with God was apart from all that. And so it stayed apart from all that and kind of rode over all that. So when I talk about my journey with God, it's a very simple and personal and and loving and accepting relationship with God, which is available for everybody. And so that really is the center of it. So therefore, when I was sitting there in a, you know, the doctor's office, and he's given me this, ter- this horrific news uh, that you have this terrible disease and you have about 11 or 12 years to live. And I'm like, well, well you know, wait a minute, what's going on? I was 48 at the time, you know, I'm not gonna see 60, I'm now 69. Um, and I just, just innately, not defiantly, not rebelliously, not this big, I'm collecting all my self-will and I'm going to overcome this. It wasn't any of that. It just was this, that expression of that simple relationship with God. It's like, wait a minute, there's another, there's, there's hope here. There's, a, there's an answer beyond, you know, you're saying I have 11 years according to what? According to statistics. You know, you're doing your job. I get that. But you don't speak for me. You don't, you don't know how long I'm going to live. You don't tell me when I'm going to die. Um, and that's where it all came from. And so that produced this hope, which then sought out expression in a variety of ways as I pursued answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hope is so important, right? Hope is so important in everything. And I think, well, with illness, especially, um, we just give up hope, right? And then it's like, now what, right? And so we, we just give in. And if we can keep that hope alive, there's always something, right? There's always something. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the, um, uh, even in the church, you know, I would find people who loved me and they supported me and did everything they could to help me out and take care of me. Um, but they, in terms of getting better, um, you know, they would sort of accept the doctor's prognosis. And, you know, I, I will pray for you and sort of this waning voice meaning they cared, but they didn't believe there was any chance I was going to see mm-hmm. 60. And always there is a sense inside of me like, I think there's a pretty good chance <laughs> to see 60. You know? um, and that that uh, hope, I don't create it. It comes from this abiding relationship I have. You know, if I believe in God, you know, school's out in terms of, what's going to happen in the world because I'm tapping into someone who created everything, who's bigger than everything, who can do anything. And so that by definition produces hope. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just relying on me and what I come up with or some self-help program, these three steps, that's not going to get it done. Um, Because when you have cancer, um, you immediately, it was really amazing how, instantly when i was told the diagnosis i got the message you know i got cancer it wasn't like it took a while to it took a while to adjust to it but in terms of appreciating the gravity of my situation that was instantaneous Mm -hmm. and uh, it hit me you know it's like being in in war and getting shot i mean you you know and so um uh, from then on 
you don't uh, have the strength to um, I'm I'm going to overcome this. You just can't pull that off. It's too hard. But if you have a source with someone who is bigger than all of that and is with you and loves you, um, then you can. Then then that sort of percolates up, you know, like water coming up through the sand. You know, uh, hope it just sort of is there. You just kind of you know you still need medication. I took antidepressants at times and um, I still you know needed people to encourage me I needed the rest of it but just mm -hmm. that core source of where I find the hope it came from from that not from just people or, or some program that I yeah. could come up with on my own and and that that core belief um, we could get into a whole other tangent here but that core belief um, when you just know right and yeah. you when you just know and then you're the universe works with you to make sure that that actually happens because it wants to be in alignment with what you know and that's i talk about that a lot with the people i coach you know to be in that knowing so that you can um create that world that you want right yeah, and that there's, there's a uh Pascal, a French philosopher who was in the, like the 17th century, said the phrase, um, uh, we have, each of us has a God-shaped vacuum within us in the depths of our being. And so it's what you're talking about. There's a, a place where we know that we know or we know that we don't know. And um, yeah, there, there has to be something that meets us all the way down there Otherwise, um, the systems we create to sustain us uh, run out of gas and we get mm -hmm. they're too exhausting. I get example, this, this comes to mind. I don't know if this is the perfect example, but I took a time management course once from this woman who um, had uh, uh, wonderful skills and you know I, I was the worst of all sinners when it comes to time management so anything she could tell me was useful and she had all these things to help and it was great but in the course of, of her presentation she shared that uh, her husband had left her because she was such a poor time manager and she was just uh, just sort of drifted through life and he just kind of functioned and so it really frustrated him and he left so she decided to get really good at it. She did, and he came back, and so their marriage was working now. Um, but as the course ended, and I was looking at her, I just saw this enormous anxiety in her. And I saw her, you know, at the end of everything, looking at her watch and racing out of the room. I thought, okay, she's got this great time management course, but it's still not giving her the peace, the down deep thing. She's looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's interesting that we, when we go ag against, and again, we're off topic, but that's okay. When we go against our um, innate who we are, right? That that doesn't always work for us. And so that, but when we can sit within our knowing and actually be there, that's where we're gonna find that piece too, right? Yeah. 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 That, uh, the car, I had a, uh, which I, um, 
mentioned in the book, it's a uh, kind of a key moment of the whole journey is about four months or so into the cancer, I um, was, was back in the day when you went to the video store still, I was dropping off some videos and then I get back into my car, really don't have anywhere to go except home. I'm, I'm on leave from my job. It's about four in the afternoon. It's uh, fall, the sun's setting. I'm in this funky mall and sitting there in my car and the sun is sort of casting this pale over the pall, however you pronounce it, over the uh, little mini mall with all these faded um, storefronts. And it was the perfect picture of how I felt about everything, thinking, what, you know, what is going on? And it was about an hour, I just sat there and didn't really talk, just sort of bead, you know, just sat with God. And, uh, and from that, you know, just sort of, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you take this thing away? What's up with the cancer? And uh, I didn't get any answers, but what I did get was sort of deep within this um, sense of, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what's going on, but I'm here with you. And I sort of came to the fore and started to bubble up within me. And I had a sense of that which is the deepest within me was okay. Someone was there and I was loved and it was okay. And so I went home and I started after that when I go to bed, um, feeling literally Jesus's arms around me when I go to sleep. And you'd think nighttime when I was living alone, nighttime would be the worst um, because it's dark and it's late. But it was the best because I just felt this warmth. I felt this presence. And I felt that for years. And I so I slept great through my time of cancer. And it because it was exactly what we're talking about. It met me in the deepest of places. And and that and so I'd wake refreshed and um, ready for the day and, and watch it unfold and did what I did to pursue what I had to pursue to get to where I wanted to get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is your favorite creative healing modality that you use? It's the, um, Psalm 46 has a verse in it, be still and know that I am God. So there's a meditative part to it, but it's not just this practice of meditation. It's more of a stillness, of a being more than doing. And a, you know, I'm looking to someone else. I'm not just looking to me. Um, and um, uh, knowing there's, no, you know, know that I've got, knowing there's more. So there's always more to, to download, to be part of part of a relationship. So it's, it's a, uh, it's like meditation, but it's not meditation. It's, it's a, a state of being uh, in, in different environments, whichever bring up a sense of presence of uh, this one who is around me and in me. Um, uh, that sort of settles things out, the dust settles. And then I 
you know, pursue whatever I'm going to pursue. I, and then from that, you know, creative you, then, then get creative. Um, but it's not this big intentional thing in that sense of peace and well-being, then I'm able automatically to create. And ideas come to mind and a conversation I had or speaker I heard or whatever. And, oh, I guess I'll, let's go pursue that. Or I need to get back in touch with so-and-so. And life sort of comes from there. Yeah, no, and that, that is so true because uh, in the meditation and journaling class that I uh, facilitate in the mornings, we often talk about that, that being in awareness, right? And being able to sit there and how that sparks all of these other things to, to come. Yeah, when we give space for it. Yeah. So I think I know what the answer is going to be for this, but what would you say is your greatest accomplishment to date? My marriage. <laughs> oh, all right. That's not the one I was going to go with. Okay, that's awesome. All right. So, and why why do you say that? Because I'm still married. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a lot easier being alone than being married. It's a lot better being married uh, for a million reasons. Uh, the highlight for me in marriage is simply. You wake up in the morning, there's somebody next to you who you get to love all day, you know, through all the ups and downs of life and realities. You, you have this, this one that you can share life with. And so that's what's so great about it. The, um, so the, but, but, you know, there's, the, the, we have to put up with each other and we're two adult people and, uh, you know, we don't just hear, you know, this is our, let's eat breakfast this way. No, let's eat breakfast this way. Well, no, let's, <laughs> it goes from there. You know? And so mm -hmm. that to me, to be happily and successfully married to me is an incredible accomplishment and a fantastic goal. Oh, I love that one. And it's so true when you bring two people together into the same space, right? <laughs> and coexisting happily. That is an accomplishment, I have to say. One that I've finally achieved. <laughs> I've worked my whole life on that one. Oh. So if you could change one aspect of our society through the work that you do, what would that be? Um, yeah. Um, give credit to the common person. Um, and by that I mean the... Um, my father was in politics and very heavily so and very dramatically and, and uh, successfully so. Um, so I get politics and there's a place to uh, serve uh, in dramatic and dynamic and disruptive ways. Uh, uh, it can be, you know, running a business or it can be, there's all kinds of places, you know, the, um, in the school, there's, um, I, you know, every job, there's not one job that isn't a form of service. You get paid, but there's no non-service job. And so the idea is that you're, you know, helping people out, but it sort of gets turned on its head by what do I get out of this? Um, and so most people um, want to help each other out, get along, they're decent people, um, and uh, they're, they're happy to, you know, I, I was in New York City a couple years ago. Uh, I was in there, there many years ago, and it was not a very nice place to be. And then post 
I was there again, and my wife and I were standing on some uh, pathway, got a map out, and this guy who's obviously commuting home on his bike's got his earphones in, 20-something, you know, he's got places to go and things to do. He stops, goes, what do you need? And uh, I said, well, we're looking for this. And he takes the map, he goes, you want to go here and here, here. Good luck, see ya. And so, you know, 30 seconds, he's gone, but he stopped. And um, and that's basically who we are. I mean, this pandemic, all of a sudden, you see all these families riding by on their bikes. You know, you didn't see that before. And people are smiling more, you know, realizing you're going through something and I'm going through something. There's stories out of World War II in Britain uh, where, you know, during the bombing from the Germans, the Blitzkrieg, which was just horrible, that 20 years later, uh, people who went through it said that was the happiest time of their life uh, because everybody helped each other out. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, you know, we, we all have a selfish inclination, but we all have an inclination to realize um, that people need, you know, help and to want to be part of that. And so, um, so to, instead of uh, thinking, you know, the Republicans or the Democrats really have the answers because they don't. Um, uh, and uh, there's some other you know, magic bullet out there solution that's going to solve it all. There isn't. It's in the stopping and helping each other out and trusting in each other and getting along. And great, you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat. Fine, let's get along. Okay, you're, your person's doing great. Your person's doing great. And um, you know, just literally love your neighbor. Uh, that's that, that solves 90% of the problems because most of the problems come up because people get angry and then, wait a minute, you know, my side. And it's like, well, really, what is your side anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's true that, you know, we are in service to others. That, that, is, that is what brings us to do what we do, right? And, and unfortunately, some people turn that around into, you know, what's in it for me. And yeah. And then that, that causes a whole other disconnect, but yes, absolutely. So then what inspirational advice would you give someone who's struggling? Um, well, I uh, went into the God business as a minister because I think there's something in it. Uh, just to uh, be open to the fact that uh, just perhaps there is a God and if there is, then where did love come from? I mean, I don't think we invented it. We didn't come out of the primordial ooze and come up with love. You know, it has to come from the one bigger than us. So that means that this God is love. And so tap into that, learn about that, seek that. It's amazing what you'll find and how it'll change everything and give you hope and uh, find and provide answers. Uh, uh, it, it, it works. And when you, when you're really as ugly and you're living alone and you got cancer, um, it, it works big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then do you have an inspirational quote that sums up your life journey? I really don't just some, I don't, you know, I have some on my wall or whatever, but I do, I've got this, I if I take this off. well, you can't see it anyway. The, I have a cross with, uh, I think they're plumeria, the beautiful aromatic flowers in mm-hmm. Hawaii that are over it. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's a beautiful image of, you know, the, the word aloha means uh, 
uh, I connect with you breath to breath. Uh, and, you know, the soul of you connects with the soul of me. And so that picture of, you know, God and us, uh, the soul, one soul together, Jesus said there's two commands. There's all the stuff I want you to do. I only want you to do two things. Love, the God, love God the best you can. Love each other. Um, that, would, that would be it. Mm -hmm. I, I love that as a, as a quote, yes. So is there anything else that you'd like to add uh, that we maybe haven't discussed today? I think there's, uh, yes, that um, there's always more. Uh, there really is hope. Uh, uh, God is good. Um, and uh, um, walk through the doors. You know, when you uh, see an opportunity, something attracts you, unless it's an obvious um, uh, loser in the long run. Rather, it's just something that, gee, maybe go for it. Go through the door, explore. Uh, that's how we do life and, and get the most out of it. Oh, that's, that's a great last thought, right? Explore life. I like that. <laughs> so Don, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's been a really interesting conversation to have with you. And to our listeners, I will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Thanks, Larissa. Bye-bye. Have you seen the books that I've put out? If you don't know me, I'm Larissa Russell, the owner of Creative You. I currently have a few books available on Amazon, titles such as Gratitude, How to Live with Joy and Gratefulness, A Happier You in Five Minutes a Day, plus the international bestseller, The Power of One. And coming later this year is Total Disaster to Total Master, Seven Steps to Your Authentic Self. Click the link below to purchase your copies now.